Podcast. My name is Matt Horse, and I have a truly wonderful guest today. It is the amazing, the talented William Penswick. How are you doing, man? I'm very well, mate. Thanks very much for having me on, and that was quite a nice, quite a nice introduction, actually. You know what? I'm pretty proud of that introduction. Uh, to be honest, I, I just had a, like a sip of tea beforehand, and do yeah. you ever get that when you're performing comedy? Like, um, sometimes you get a little bit of nerves. I used to be really bad like with nerves. It used to like stop me from speaking quite a lot. And uh, it sometimes happens on stage when I'm so nervous that you get that frog in your throat. It's kind of gone, but sometimes that happens. And it, the, the very small version of that just happened now. I was like, just had to get the the rhythm right in my, in my voice, if you know what I mean. Do you ever get that? Do you know what? I would never, you know what? I would have never noticed that because you, you went in. What, what I would say is, okay, that, that's interesting because it felt to me as though you, you just, just before we started the podcast there, mm-hmm. it felt to me as though you'd silently cocked your pistol and then just just popped off a couple of shots as you as you started the podcast. You know what I mean? Oh, it was no. like you'd done the preparation and you just you bang straight into it. Yeah, I think know? I think as I didn't cock the gun beforehand, I thought I'll just I'll just shoot it from the hip, so to speak. Uh, this metaphor wow. and the analogy is going pretty strong in all fairness, but I really, yeah, I think I think you've always been. I mean, me and me and certainly my my mates down the pub, we always talk about you as the the hot young gunslinger of podcasts. <laughs> So, I hope you take that. You know what? One of my dreams is just a, a group of lads on a Saturday night sitting around the pub going, Phew, that Matt Horse, he's a gunslinger, all right? We <laughs> if do. I was a we... conversation topic, I'd be well pleased with that. We've got to stop hanging out in that saloon bar, to be honest. <laughs> That's often what we'll say about you, yeah? You know what? Like, we're missing, like, there should be, like, a modern-day saloon, you know what I mean? What, what's, like, well, I yeah. guess that's Twitter, I guess, but, like, just people fighting each other all the time. <laughs> Dueling, yeah. I think, um... I, I, I really miss, I say I really miss, I wasn't really around in the sort of late 19th century, but I think that I really miss the, um, those saloon bars where, where you, um, where people storm in and, and, and they never do one door, you know, of the saloon bar. They'll always do both doors at the same time. You know, those two swings. Yes. They're almost like big shutters. And like, yeah, because it's kind of the, the, the kind of, the, you can push them either way. And if uh, in the Gilded Balloon uh, in the Ember Fringe, uh, there's like um, a lot of the doors are like that where you have to push them open. And they're quite strong yes. on the pushback. And I, 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 I teched Laura Lex's show um, uh, twice in the turret. And many times have I accidentally hit people because I've opened them. Oh. Uh, I tried to hold a door open. It's kind of swung back in their face. And it's very embarrassing. Yeah, that, that's that, that. When you see a door, it's great to know that a door will go both ways. But it's great to know it before you do something yeah. catastrophic. Because you know, I, yeah, and you know what? I, I I'm not sure. I think health and safety is a major priority of saloons. You know what I mean? Because it's like they're matching the yeah. paperwork that, that they're gonna have to do. Do you know what I mean? That's why. That's why a lot of them closed down. I think we're talking like early twentieth century now, so maybe like nineteen ten to nineteen twenty. I think just before kind of prohibition, they um, a lot of saloon bars closed down because they kept um, there were a lot of there were a lot of um, sort of 
teenagers. So this is before you had to you had to be a certain age to drink. I think there were a lot of teenagers getting smacked in the face by saloon doors. So the establishment were like, look, look, chaps. But imagine this in an American accent. They were like, look, chaps, we we can't we can't be doing this anymore. We've got to have um, just normal doors. And uh, and that's really what that's that's where they went. So we'll we'll find a way to bring them back. Yeah, we'll we'll bring them back together. So and uh, we met each other at this year's fringe, didn't we? Absolutely, well, yeah, 20, yeah. Well, 2019, even like because uh, 2020 fringe doesn't exist, but um, doesn't exist, gone. Yeah, how are you feeling about that news as well? Were you planning to go up, and uh, were you upset that it's like uh, it's off, or uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, that's an interesting one. You know what? Like, um, I, I to be honest, I was I wasn't planning on going up because I actually, funnily enough, I've started doing. <laughs> Irony of ironies, I've started doing a couple of podcasts myself. Um, and oh, you lose this through podcasts, man. I, I don't, I, that's why I did it. Uh, <laughs> I, I need, I was like, give me the format, you know? I've got I've got all these thoughts that no one ever needs to listen to. But I um, I basically, uh, me and a couple of mates are, we're two different podcasts, and I'm, I'm actually at the moment trying to move into a kind of a full time, I'm unemployed, Matt, is what I'm saying. So <laughs> Freelance, I'm, I'm it's fancier. It is fancier, and it and it is to a certain extent true, but it's also not. It doesn't translate to um, the kind of money you get with any full time job. Yeah. So, um, oh, hello. Yeah. But but you know it's it's all good. It's all good. So I, I basically I actually decided to kind of for the next year or what was going to be beyond this Edinburgh Fringe. So let's say like autumn of this year. Until then, I was going to actually take a break from kind of writing and performing on stage, just because. I wanted to kind of give a bit more time to the job, app, but this is very sterile, but the job applications and the, um, yeah. and the kind of the producing as well, because we do producing gigs and, and doing the podcast and all of that. So I actually wasn't planning on going up as a performer. Certainly I, w- I was thinking of definitely going up as a spectator. And to be honest, the, the people I feel sorry for in terms of it getting cancelled this year are, I feel sorry for the, some of the spectators who, who, you know, it, it's their it's their August. Do you know what I mean? They they love it. They absolutely they live and breathe it. Um, I feel sorry for um, obviously some some businesses in Edinburgh because that's I mean that you know they look they love a bit of profiteering off the fringe. Sure, <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've noticed that umbrellas. Uh, you know, I've never I've never seen umbrellas that are uh, you know, twenty five quid and they you know they break yeah, on your first use. Yeah. But um, you know they and no many so many tartan skirts being sold. But you know what. Um, Kilts, actually, that's what they call them. But, uh, <laughs> that's what I, I literally forgot. I was like, hang on, hang about, hang about. That's, they're, they're definitely not called that. Um, but you know, they—I uh, do feel sorry for a lot of the performers. Like I, I the, the guys who, you know, I mean, like, were you planning on going up yourself? Yeah, I was planning to do my second hour, and I was a little bit. It's weird because I, I really campaigned quite hard for it, the fringe to be cancelled because I think it, there was no way. If it was to go ahead, it would be good in terms of um, first, obviously, like the health aspect. That's a major thing. But at first, yeah. like, but also, like, we have no time to preview stuff, so the shows will be quite bad. Um, we there'll be a lot less people there, so uh, yeah. So yeah. even even usual like standard of audience will go down even more because there's a lot less people. And yeah, I just don't think it would be it would be a a very a false year, but and so I yeah, campaigned quite right. hard for it to be cancelled. But the, the, this week, I'm really kind of uh, reeling from that because I've been, I don't know, like uh, it, I, I've kind of lost 
not only have I lost like work in terms of like um, like money coming in, but I'm also lost like a whole the bearings of the year, the structure of the year. Do you know what I mean? Like I haven't got anything uh, to work true. towards, like for like in August and the year after. If you know what I mean? So yeah, it's just been a bit like a lack of purpose in the last couple of weeks. I think. I, I totally that that aspect of it I totally understand because it is like you know I mean for for, for acts and performers like whether you're theatre or musical or, or you know certainly comedy like it does form yeah you're dead right I think I think rather than doing a calendar year the year ends or starts depending on how you're looking at it with Edinburgh doesn't yes, it Yes absolutely and that's Do you know what I mean that's what I've worked towards uh, and especially with um, the show I did in 2019 and the show I was going to do in 2020 like I had like a lot of years planned out as well and the ideas and stuff like that and yeah it's just it's a shame really but it's it's for the best but also I don't know I think it's going to have a lot of repercussions really it is it's a shame you know what like there's a lot of actors who are going up who a lot of friends of mine who are going to go up who I've been sort of speaking to about it and like sort of trying to semi sort of um you know console on the uh, on the on the kind of idea that it's not happening this year but um my, I have always felt like and I, and I wasn't going to miss Edinburgh too much this year probably until the fringe was on do you know what mm-hmm. I mean and then I'd start to get the sort of you know FOMO of it all but I do think that there is life like beyond Edinburgh I think it's really easy to sort of get into that it's not quite an echo chamber is it but like that yeah that feeling that that it is the world and that, you know, everything's going to be fine if I have one good Edinburgh or, you know, if, if it, everything's going to be all right if, if it goes my way. And it, and it is, you know what, like we were talking about it last year and I think we were in, we were in Brewdog, weren't we, on Cowgate? Yes. Oh, um, I think we just, you came from from my show, I think, and we just recorded. That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we filmed the show that night. That was a great night, yeah, yeah. We had a couple of, couple of beers in there and... Um, and we were talking about it, and like you know what, the fringes for all its for all its fantastic. I think it is genuinely superb to be a spectator there. Like I cannot imagine any more crack in the world than being up in in Edinburgh during August with some mates. Like that must be like joy of joys. But having said that, as a performer, like I know I've been lucky in that you know what, when it when it's gone well, it's gone really well, mm. and when it's gone badly, it it hasn't been just my money that I've been into it because because uh, me and my friends we had a production company and we kind of say we the money we make in the year we then use to we then use for the um the shows in edinburgh so you know it's it's been there's been a bit of a cushioned blow if it hasn't gone well and like sometimes you know yourself like you end up with you know single figure audiences and you know you, you're like oh why, why on earth am i doing this but then when you actually do the show you're like this is great you know what it's, it's all good yeah and, so, and, and, and you get moments where yeah. it can just be quite like I don't know, it, it can be, it feels like trying to trying to sort of, in Edinburgh, because there's such a rush, it feels like you're kind of trying to sprint, but you're trying to sprint in treacle. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely. like, you, you get home and you're a bit like, oh, this is, this is great. And you go and see some pro comedian who's already made it up in Edinburgh. And he's got like as many people in his show as you've had in your entire run, <laughs> you know, yeah. his or her show, you know, like it's, it's, it's a bit, um, it's just a strange one, really. You're like, this is great, but also... You know, I, I maybe I should have given it a couple more years before I came up and did a show here. So yeah. like, you know, it's sad, but there's there's I think there's life beyond it. You know what I mean? And but that being said, like in terms of like quantity of audience, it, it can always be really um, jarring, but it's never a reflection of the quality of the show because um, 
Like, I remember seeing, uh, I went to see your show, uh, which was in the afternoon, and it was absolutely superb. It's just such a great idea for a show, and uh, yeah, I think it's really novel the way you did it. Can you explain what your show was called and what, what your idea was? That's very kind of you, mate. I, uh, yeah, the show was, it was very, very silly. I, I, it was basically a, um, it, it was a sort of, it was kind of Nordic noir where it was a it was an interactive Nordic noir with a detective who is also a DJ um, called Peter Peterson from the uh, from the Faroe Islands. So from a kind of untapped Nordic um, region, if you like, or a Nordic nation. You know, I mean, a lot of them like this sort of Stieg Glass and stuff, and and uh, Joe Nesbo, like kind of you know, Sweden and Norway, and there's a lot in Denmark. But I just thought, why not for a laugh do it in the Faroe Islands that has a population of like 75,000? Yeah. Can you imagine the investigation wouldn't actually be that, that long? Um, but uh, I just I, I just find Nordic Noir, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's so cool. But I just thought the idea of, I mean, as did a few other comedians, by the way, <laughs> the idea of a parody would be quite funny. But um, because uh, there was a guy doing a, a Nordic Noir parody in the same, same venue as me, which... <laughs> Um, was fine until he, I realised he was a bit more successful than me. Oh no! Uh, Jim, yeah, do you remember him? And he was in um, he was in a slightly bigger venue. So oh, I didn't realise he was doing the same thing. I had no idea. Well, it wasn't as you know. I mean, look, it wasn't as good as mine, obviously. But, you know, <laughs> kind of, yeah, <laughs> look, I mean, he you know, look, it, it, he did a Nordic Noir parody, but I don't know how much audience interaction he had. For example, you know, I'm not sure that he had plastic fish in his show. Yeah. So, and- um, but I think uh, yeah, that yeah, I think that's a really silly point because like, I think when I first started out in comedy, I always worried that I would have very I worried about joke uh, theft, and I always worried that I, that I might accidentally steal someone else's joke. But the the, right. the the real the kind of what I learn is that it's never. It's, it's very rare that that would actually ever happen because and I kind of force myself to do like storytelling shows to as a way that if I talk about my own experience, it means I could never really steal anyone else's thing because of my lived experience. But I kind of learned that like, even if you have the same ideas on, if, if you do, if you have the same rough idea, that the way you execute it is so different. So, uh, but I think that the, the thing which is special about your show is that, that you had so much charm in your show that it was so unique to who you were as a performer. Do you know what I mean? So uh, your Nordic yeah. noir was, uh, it filled the room in, in terms of like who you were and how silly it was. But yeah, that's yeah. Oh, cheers again, man. I, I think like it, it, um, definitely, and I think like the more you can, I think for a long time, especially when I was starting out, and I'm not sure, maybe maybe you were like this as well by by what you're saying. Like, I think you you always have your kind of like idols or like your people that you you just go back to and you love watching them because you think like that is funny. I, I, you know, I'd love to make someone laugh because of this. You know what I mean? Like, I'd love to make someone laugh, like, because they're seeing this or hearing this or because they're finding something unique that's funny about it. And then I think when you go into it and you start writing and performing, you try and emulate those kind of people because mm-hmm. you just think that's cool, you know, and you think that that's, that's you know, the, the best way to do it or the kind of the most interesting way to do it. But you can get a little bit caught up in that sometimes because actually the way that you like comedy is not always going to be the way that you perform it or the way you write it. I mean, I'd certainly at the start, I was writing like, I mean, Matt, I was writing some like shocking, like kind of, I remember I did a set in, um, 
don't know if you've ever been there, a club called the Savoy Tup or the mm. Savoy Tap. Oh, yeah, I've been to Bell, but I don't think I've ever performed there. It's, it's a nice, you know what, it's really, really good. And if, if anyone's in London, like this place called the Savoy Tap that's run by a guy called Jimmy Bird, he's a lovely bloke. And, he, and they do a really good gig there upstairs. Um, and I, it was one of my first open mics in London, and I wore this garish pink shirt for some reason, which already marked me out as a bit of a twat. Um, <laughs> and um, and I basically, um, I, I basically performed a, uh, a a set for five minutes that um, where I was under the impression that like ISIS, as in yeah, that that ISIS, so called Islamic State, were. Um, were uh, like the new boy band on the block, oh, whereas I preferred Al Qaeda, who were kind of my the the OG, if you like. Um, <laughs> it was it was oh, honestly man. Yeah. traumatic for everyone involved. Oh yeah, you know I've done my fair share of those gigs, man. Like when you start out, because especially when I see a lot of of my comedians, and I don't mean necessarily what you just said there, but like uh, like. But I, they, they think that the only way to get laughs is to like just be shocking. It's more like, yeah. uh, especially in the North East, I find a lot of lad like they just say the worst thing possible, like Frankie Boyle. But it's like that's, but that's not with Frankie Boyle is a joke there. But with some people, they just say the worst thing imaginable, and so like, that's not funny though, is it? Like, and also uh. shock, shock humor only hap- You only get that once. You know what I mean? You can get one laugh, and then afterwards, it's just not funny. Do you know what I mean? Because you can't be shocked twice. That's it. No, no, totally. I, I completely. That's that's exactly it. And I'm like, I definitely fell into that trap. Whereas I think, like, when you actually start to, when you go and see enough enough comedy, you kind of realise that, like, actually, look, that there is there are all types out there. You know what I mean? It's like when you're a baby. You know, like you you probably think that baby food is the only food you'll ever eat in your life because you're like, this is this is bloody delicious. This. Well, that's what I actually, mean at the moment under the quarantine. But yeah, go on. <laughs> love it and actually in fairness you've always loved it yeah when i went to brewdog with you that's what i ate just that you had you guys had pizza i had baby food it was great though you sort of you kept it in a in a lovely little tupperware that was surrounded by a kind of iced tea cozy wasn't it yeah because i might be having baby food but i do it with an adult's fashion style it was brilliant absolutely fantastic yeah i didn't realize that uh that tiger stopped stopped those kind of tea (laughs) cozy but it's great (laughs) lovely stuff taste change a bit and then your your actual you know like you get older your mind changes and you and you and you want to perform different stuff so yeah it's definitely after a while you the the, the people the, the comedy that i really like writing and performing and also i now enjoy watching a lot more is is that is the stuff that really it's people do it and they're on stage but they actually don't care whether they get the laugh or not yeah they actually are just up there because what they're doing clearly amuses them and clearly entertains them in a way and they just want to sort of they just want to kind of share it and, and and i really you can see that and like in your is here comes here comes your man that yeah. was your show right yes yeah i think with that like it was a story that you know there were, there were certain parts of it that were that were you know they were like heartfelt i mean there were sort of moments where you really as an audience member you were really like searching for kind of mm-hmm. you know like these within yourself you were finding these like really empathetic streaks and really kind of like yeah that is that's that's difficult you know that's difficult and that's and you were kind of putting yourself out there and mm-hmm. it was it was great and it was actually joyous oh thank you know you, i would say throughout because 
you could tell that you weren't doing it in a sort of like you weren't doing it a to take the mick exclusively out of yourself but also you weren't trying to be you, you know you weren't trying to get just sort of that sympathy and that kind of like that heartfeltness that a lot of shows these days try and search for in the kind of last 10 minutes you know that kind of vibe but yeah. you were you, you were actually like you were just played it dead on as in this is what's happened to me i find it actually quite entertaining i want to share it with you and then you kind of took up the, the absurdity a little bit and it was just oh mate it was brilliant I, oh, you know that's, you. The, that's the kind of stuff that like you it, know that's that you, when you can see it you really really sink your teeth into it and you really enjoy it well that's yeah i i think i think that's the kind of comedy like that's very kind again um but i i, I think it's that's the kind of comedy that I, I like to do that where I I think I am quite a heartfelt person and uh, I someone a uh, reviewer recently said that the show is like half comedy half like motivational speech and I kind of like that idea that yeah uh, like it was a very painful show to write as well and I didn't want to hide that necessarily but also like I didn't want it to be a negative experience I hate I wouldn't like anyone to come to my show feeling more negative than when when they came as well so I, I wanted to create that upbeat feeling as well um but yeah I think yeah, but also like I find it difficult to I always wonder what people think of my show if you know what I mean because like I, I spend a lot because you get so you get so focused, you get have the like, the blinders on where you're not quite sure how, what your show is anymore. Especially when you're previewing it, it's like, what what is his show? Is it good? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've definitely been in situations like that where you you, you sort of you, you you're completely in the dark. You're like, I actually have not only do I have no idea what I've just performed because it was just went in a haze and I had to get it out there, but also like I haven't got any recording of it, and also I've got no I like. I've got no idea where I'm at with this. You okay. just feel like there's been a couple of times where I've performed and I've just gone. I remember I did Brighton Fringe actually in 20, yeah, last year in 2019. And I remember getting off stage once, like absolutely drenched in sweat, uh, drenched in sweat, sorry, not a bit of tongue twister. Because um, I, I also, for my Nordic character, I don't know if you remember, but I wear like a, like a, essentially a thermal polo neck. Oh my big God. Big jeans, boots, and a, and a coat that was my, was my granddad's and, and weighs about as much as he did. Um, oh my and God. It was, yes. It was, I was, and a woolly hat to boot. I, I basically, I sort of went in there, you know, at normal body weight and came out at about 45% of that. And it was, oh. uh, oh, it was, it was torturous. But there were times where I came off and I was just, I was delirious. I actually, you know, if someone had sort of asked me who the current prime minister was and if I remembered my show, I'd really struggle. Oh my um, God. Yeah, it was it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. But no, I, I yeah, I know I know what you mean. You, you can get in the when it's when it's a personal show, you can really kind of lose lose touch of or like you know miss out on on how the audience uh, like perceive it and and perceive you. But then you actually it's great. That's that's the moment though that you can never really rehearse. I guess like mm-hmm. okay, I guess we're now talking like quite quite craftily about it. But like I think that's the moment that you can never rehearse is that. You, it's heartfelt and it's coming from you but there will be a moment where someone in the audience says, says something or laughs in a certain way and you you know you get into them and you kind of you know you do you have a bit of interaction about it and it, and it really like it really energizes you doesn't it because you kind of then go oh this is valid and like this is you know this is um this is stuff that that people enjoy or like that people want to hear about and it's not just me you know, it's not just me sort of staring into um, the mirror, kind of regurgitating my thoughts. It's actually like there's stuff to be digested. Yeah. Here, you know, and it, yeah, and I think 
what I struggle with is like because uh, there's some shows I had where people just weren't paying attention or and I think it might must be quite similar to you because both our shows are interactive well all shows are engaging in a way but I think ours need a particular um they need to be invested yeah, you know I mean, like I think if uh, yeah, yeah. people can sit through our shows, and well, it, there's people who went to my show, and like they weren't, I wasn't their cup of tea, and that's absolutely fine. But like, uh, it's kind of annoying. Like, uh, like I think people, the people get most out of it. The people who got more most into it. Do you know what I mean? If you just kind of turn up on the door, you go, oh, all right, I'll give them a go. They might not be as invested as someone who's like, oh my god, yeah, wow, bam. Man, that's uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's just a different attitude, and it could be alcohol related as well. But um, uh, but since your show is your show is really wonderful because it's so interactive, you kind of play, you kind of give roles to the audience as well, and they become part of the theatre of your show. And I remember seeing it in a show which, uh, um, if you don't mind me saying, it didn't have the most audience members, uh, and it required people doing like double roles as well. Uh, so, did, how do you deal with like a, an audience that is either a little bit hesitant, or how do you deal with someone who's been a bit too eager? Uh, what's the most problematic audience you've ever had? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I really like. I actually kind of to 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 a certain extent. I I really like small kind of tight audiences with whatever I'm doing because I love. I really like being able to, to in, a, in a funny kind of way, pass a lot of the buck over to them. And actually, when I'm interacting yes. with the audience, kind of get, learn a bit, learn a bit about them, and like really sort of start to use them in a way that. Cause I, to be honest, this is. I mean, this is a bit of a bit of a secret. I'm sure you know you know this, but like, I think audiences give you a lot of credit for just talking to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. I have yeah. no idea. I've never worked. I don't know why. I think it's because they think that you're just doing it all off the cuff. Do you know what I mean? And you are, but like they think that that's particularly impressive for some reason. Yeah. And like, I've never really worked out why that is. It's like, kind of like, never... like, they give you credit for having confidence to be on stage and having the same conversation. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a weird, yeah. just a status shift, if you know what I mean. Yeah, totally, yeah. I, I, I That's exactly it. And, and like that kind of like, it, it's as though we're, you're doing something a bit naughty by speaking to the audience, you know? It's like, oh, we should you shouldn't do this. Like, he's, he's got a show. Doesn't he know he's got a show? And it's like... A lot of people have said to me, Matt, you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> well, that's, that's not necessarily about the audience itself, though, is it? <laughs> 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 Believe me, I've had the same thing, but particularly my parents. But um, No, like, I think, I, th- I think um, the, um, yeah, the, the, most, the most difficult audiences I have are the ones, are definitely the ones that don't want to get involved as much. Mm-hmm. You know, give me someone who is eager and a bit, a bit crackers over, um, over someone who, who, you know, is, is one word a minute, you know, like I, because the, the people who don't want to get involved, I actually, I, I really enjoy in a way seeing them, it's still sound incredible. I mean, it's something that you can't imagine really being like conscious of in a show, but I actually really like it when you start with someone who's, you know, absolutely frosty, doesn't like being on stage, you know you know their family are in the audience and they're embarrassed to even breathe but just then you start to see them thaw a bit yes. you start to see them melt and kind of you know just form one kind of cohesive liquid i've really stretched this metaphor but no, what form no, one but... kind of cohesive liquid with you and, yeah and you kind of you mold around the show and i really like that i think that's that's really nice Cause... but they are the hardest to, to work with because you build that narrative, and um, it's what I do when I do comparing as well. It's like you start off the night 
end the show with um, a certain person and that relationship grows over time as well so to have that transition so the audience can see it happening as well where that person's getting more and more into it it's, re- it's a lovely thing to see and you can never replicate it as well it's such a unique thing that gig well that's the so I, I because like I'm usual the show and like I generally speaking do do character comedy that's like what I what I like doing more than anything and I and I think I'm better at because I, I kind of I, I did theatre at university and I sort of I, I don't know I just like that like that style and like that background of, of, of writing but then when I'm emceeing obviously I I don't know I, I've never done it as a character before because I just don't I just don't think it would work you no. just need to mm. as an MC, as a compere you just need to literally just get into them just you know start to like you say build that narrative with the audience where you can keep flipping back to it you know you can reference them and and you know the audience will give you you know bonus marks for that so i i kind of when i'm saying i'll just be if you like will and yes, then yeah. when i'm charactering you know you, you can do your own thing but yeah totally there's definitely yeah. a division between the two because i i think yeah i've seen it done before as a character um and i don't yeah i just don't think it 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 can work but i think there's still a um the hurdles in a way and I think it's better just having a compare just I think you just got to be you got to be a man of the people if you know what I mean you got to kind of sit where they're from and kind of uh yeah and kind of be on be part of their night out if you know what I mean but with a, exactly. an act you can come on do your thing for 20 minutes you can establish who you are and then you vanish if you know what I mean um yeah yeah completely but yeah, so I've got some. Um, so we're going to wrap up relatively soon. But I've got some podcast questions, if that's okay. Are you ready for oh. some podcast questions? Please, please, lay it on me. What's the strangest heckle you've ever had? Oh, I tell you what, it, it was kind of a strange. Well, okay, so I was in um, Clapham at a gig we uh, we kind of produced, and and I was just MC. I was literally MCing, and this bloke at the back shouted. Uh, he kept shouting, uh, "Do the Swedish thing," and I was like. And he just kept saying, the Swedish thing, do the Swedish thing. And I'd never seen this bloke in my life before. I'd no, I'd literally no, no bloody concept. He kept, he kept saying it, like, I'd say once every couple of acts, he'd say it to me. And I was like, I've got, I've literally got no fucking idea. And, it, and at the end of the show, he came up to me and went, sorry, mate, sorry. And he was perfectly nice. And I was like, this bloke's a bit weird. And he was like, yeah, um, well, the last time I was here, your, uh, a mate of mine said that you did this, uh, this Swedish act. And it was obviously like the the Nordic character. Yes. It's like, I just I just wanted to see it, but it was just like, mate, do you know, like, yeah, I don't Jesus. know if you'd ever been on a night out before, but like, yeah. like you can't just, I can't, you know, I'm not going to change gears like in the middle of MC. Yeah, you know, that's probably. It took me so long to work out, and I was honestly just bewildered for half the show. But yeah, anyway. Oh bless! Uh, I've got a uh, Corona lockdown special question. Uh, if you had to live in a flat with three other comedians, uh, who uh, for the lockdown, who would you pick? Goodness me! Hard question. It can be uh, it can be historical people, uh, dead or alive, uh, and uh, wh- whoever you want, really. Okay, all right then. Um, I'm going to take Tim Key. Nice. He's my he's my my all time favorite. But I think Tim yeah. Key might be quite intense for like. Like a, a lockdown for a couple of months, but then again, yeah, he's, I think he's quite. In, I think he might be quite introverted as well. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm to be honest. I've never met him, so I don't know. Um, I'm going to say him. I'm going to say Lucy Pearman, just because I think she is bonkers, but in a great way. 
like I think she's just great. Like yeah, she she'd come up with all kinds of wacky characters, and we'd you know have a have a good old time. She's very silly. It's re- yeah, it is really difficult. I'm gonna say Maisie Adam. Oh, brilliant! Lovely stuff. Uh... She's just yeah, she's just lovely. Very very uh, very funny, but just like she's just such, she's just great. I just, I just get on with her really well. She's, she's really sweet. Yeah, uh, that's a, um, a great great selection there. And also you got different vibes of people as well. So I think you can kind of go to who you want at the time, if you know what I mean. And they'll all be able. Yeah. Um. Uh. What is your least favorite milkshake flavor? I like to ask uh, I, hard-hitting questions on this. Yeah, I think I saw something similar uh, on Paxman the other day. Actually, that, uh, <laughs> I I reckon. Um, do you know what? Yeah, that's tough. You can imagine Yasser Arafat getting stumped by a question like this back in the day, can't you? Um, um, it's very much. This is like a Frost Nixon moment. It really is. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just going to dab my my brow. <laughs> um, I'm going to say. Uh, Gosh, okay, I'm going to say banana. I'm going to say banana. I think that's a great answer. Some people say strawberry, and I think that's flabbergasting. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I'm sure a lot of people, that's quite obvious, because I know a lot of people don't like banana, but I do have a soft spot for for whole bananas, but in a milkshake, I feel bad as well, because my mum, she is a, uh, she's an absolute diamond. You'd get on with her very well, Matt, she's she's lovely, but she's... um, I I thought for sure you were going to say, my mum, she's a banana milkshake. She was her father was a banana. Um, so she um, she loves uh, she loves feeding me essentially, especially yeah. during the lockdown. Since I've been home, she's been very keen to to fatten me up as though she's going to cook me for the village. Um, <laughs> and um, she's been she occasionally brings things up without warning, which is a lovely, very fortunate position to be in. But one of them, one of the things she keeps bringing up at the moment is uh, middle class. But banana milkshakes are uh, with a bit of cinnamon on it. Oh. In, in in those um <laughs> in those uh, like gin and tonic balloons. Oh, nice! Yeah. I mean, it, I look ridiculous. Like, if I, I honestly, it's just I look mental. Please send a picture of, me, of that the uh, next time you have it, and we'll put it as a podcast picture. I will. I will. I'll definitely send it your way. Uh, okay, we've got um, a couple more questions. Which is your favourite van? Van Halen, Van Morrison, Van Helsing, or a white van man? I am going to say, uh, I think Van Helsing, actually. Yeah, they're very popular. Why, why, why is that your favourite van? I, I, it was between that and, and, and uh, White Van Man. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of those, that option of vans, I think. I think Van Morrison is, is uh, I had to rule him out because I think he's notoriously a bit of a, in, insert rude word here. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think he's, um, I've, he's just a bit moany. And a bit sort of like you know what he's, he falls into that trap of just being like successful, but just and he's awesome. never never cheered up. Yes, you know he's never yeah. Just come on, mate. Um, but uh, Van Helsing, I think I just I'm a, I admire his work. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of guys out there who would you know love to be in his line of work, but don't have the cojones. And I think um, and I think he's really he's really doing it. And I think you know between. <laughs> Between him and uh, I think it was Kate Beckinsale, wasn't it? They really had a they really had a handle on things in um, in Transylvania. Is that right? Uh, well, uh, oh, uh, yes, yes, Transylvania. 
Uh, well, uh, yeah. Uh, you you quiz my my inner there? nerd. Then I was like, God, uh, Bram Stoker facts quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think he was knocking around there anyway. So yeah, I look. I I I kind of admire his work. Although I do think that Dracula is a bit more of a the vampires in general should be sort of better looked after, especially on the mental health side. <laughs> yeah, because you know they're inside quite a lot. Uh, you know they uh you know they they get persecuted quite often and oh, you know, very often yeah you know they also they're also not allowed to eat garlic and that's you know like like terrible pasture options oh god you, I mean I'm good luck going into a into an Italian restaurant and saying <laughs> pretty much anything I tell you what you could have I think you could have a carbonara <laughs> with blood over the top of it as well yeah monkey monkey juice that's what they call it isn't it monkey's blood well, I, I, it could be that like human's blood if you're a vampire, but... Is, is that a thing in the North? My parents used to tell me... Yes, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Monkey's blood? Uh, like, the red sauce over the top, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it's called. That's disgusting, but they... they, they yeah, I remember being up in Lancashire, and they were like, oh, there you go, love. Do you want, do you want monkey's blood? And I'd be like, like not really. And they'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, just, that's really just, just snap a neck of a monkey and pour it onto your ice cream. <laughs> Four, four little stack of monkeys just the back of the ice cream pack. it's very like it's very wasteful I'd say just a it's monkey per ice cream it's just a used and, as well it's awful and you're only selling it for 99p as well and a monkey costs 10 grand oh it's terrible the markup on that you know what I mean it's, it, that's why all these that's why all these northern ice creameries have been put out of business yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think I've laughed that much since they start the lockdown. <laughs> oh man! Well, it's just a shame. It's a shame, you know. You hate oh. to see it, but it doesn't shock me. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Will. Uh, uh, where can people find you online? Oh, um, the best place is probably um, so out on social media. I'm, I'm at Will Penswick on all on all social media. Um, and uh, yeah, just get, ch- chuck us a follow there, chuck us a like there. I'm, I'm not doing anything until probably either the, like a lot of people actually, until the end of the year or, or possibly 2021. But um, I, uh, but I've got a couple of blogs and a couple of podcasts coming out, so I'll certainly release them on there. But, um, but yeah, awesome. Matt, thanks, so, thanks so much, mate. Look, also, um, yeah, give us a shout when you're when you're next performing because I, yeah, I've got to, got to come see. Wait, are you in Kent still? No, I, I live in the northeast at the moment. I'm in Darlington, so. Uh, but um, yeah. Yeah, um, but before we finish the podcast, I've got one final question for you, if that's okay, and then we'll finish it like that. Uh, Has comedy improved your life, or has it made it worse? Uh, It has improved it, Um, definitely. I I listen a lot more um, to other people, um, and um, I definitely, just just the people you meet, like yourself, obviously... um, that's a nice, nice full circle there, isn't it, on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was lovely to meet you. Yeah. Um, you know, the people you meet, obviously, it's fantastic. And the, to be honest, the be- I think that the, the best part about comedy as a as a performer, I still think is is actually is actually watching it and knowing that you know, like watching it, and you, you can't watch your own performance, but watching other people, enjoying them, but also knowing that like you know people have laughed at you and stuff as well you know that's mm-hmm. that's great but just going and seeing comedy still still great and, and in terms of that I'll, I'll never miss that like i'll never um not miss you know going to see shows so whether i'm performing or not 
I really like going and watching it and, and having a good time because it's a it's a service at the end of the day, isn't it? Really, like you know, those people making you laugh and making you smile, like it is, it's great. It's great. We all need a bit of that, don't we? Whether it's online or on stage or whatever it is. So yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent improved. That's so amazing. Thank you so much, Will, and uh, thank you for listening. And we'll speak to you soon. Have a lovely day. Bye. Top man. Cheers, Matt.